You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve, and this is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question that you're too embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcast medical news and stuff you can buy. Or go to our merchandise store at cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine. Yeah, yeah, feel free to go there. I get 30 cents every time I sell an effing mug. Thanks, thanks, um, Cafe Press. Uh, most importantly, we're not your medical, medical providers. Take everything you hear with, you know, they're, they're fine. They're just trying to make a couple of bucks and I'm crapping on them. You can still get a Bristol stool scale mug and they are hilarious. So that's the only reason I'm doing it. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything here with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. All right, very good. Thank you for being here. This could be a quick one today. I'm going to do something a little different today. We're not, I'm, I'm just going to run through. I just collected a bunch of um, medical stories from uh, the medical literature and just thought I'd throw them up there and see if anything's interesting. If nothing's interesting, well, it was a failed experiment. We won't do it again. But let me know if you like it. Um, don't forget to go to stuff.drsteve.com for all your shopping needs. That's stuff.drsteve.com. You can click right through, go to Amazon, or you can scroll down and look at a bunch of different things things that we talk about on this show, B12 supplements that we recommend, probiotics that we recommend, the Navage, because it's allergy season, greatest invention ever made. Uh, also, uh, right now I'm using headphones from tweakedaudio.com. Use offer code FLUID for 33% off. Uh, nobody gives a better discount than that. And they're a Tennessee business, and uh, I would love to do a remote from there. I keep saying that, hoping that they will go, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, but and nothing. I, this, I hear crickets. Um, uh, check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. Just because he isn't here doesn't mean we don't support him. Although, if he quits not being here, we'll see. And uh, I ha- have confirmed Dr. Steve's rule that you gain an inch of penis length for every 35 pounds lost. Of course, this applies to uh, um, you know, anatomic, you know, people with penises. Um, and uh, I can confirm it. It's an absolutely, you know, I've been saying it for 15 years because I discovered it in some damn medical journal somewhere and decided it was to call it my own. And uh, absolutely true. I've never lost this much weight before, and I did it all with Noom. Noom.drsteve.com. If you go there, uh, I love this app. It's not a diet. It's a psychology app. You will 
um, and get a counselor and a group and a group counselor and you get this program that you go through that deals with all kinds of different things in your life. It's helped me in my real life, not just losing weight. Um, I'm five pounds from my ideal body weight. I haven't been able to break that one, but I'm very happy with where I am. And that's something I'm working on with my Noom group is how do I break down and get those last five pounds off. Uh, my body just likes to be where it is. And uh, maybe that I just have to accept that, and that's cool. So, But um, within five pounds of my ideal body weight's best I've been since college. So Noom, N-O-O-M dot drsteve.com. You get 20% off. It's already less expensive than Weight Watchers, and you don't have to do it forever. And there's no points. You just do it for um, the time you need. You can. There are people who do it for three months, and that's it. Uh, you could do six. I did six months, and I'm happy I did. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to continue or not um, uh, because I don't feel like I have to. I, I think I, I got it. I think it, it fixed me. Definitely fixed my relationship with food. And Noom, N-O-O-M dot drsteve.com and uh, 20% off. And you get the first two weeks free so you can try it out. Now, you won't get a counselor, and you won't get group, and you won't get group counseling. Um, uh, in, unless you decide to do the full program, but you can do the the uh, free two week program, no problem. Check that out. Um, you can, you know, we've done Blue Apron on this show, and I really like Blue Apron. Still a fan. Uh, we've done some other things similar to that on the show. I've tried Tara's Kitchen, where they do the prep for you, and uh, I found it to be a little overly complicated. Uh, uh, but now I'm just so lazy. I'm doing Freshly. So Freshly uh, is um, fresh prepared meals that make eating right really easy. They're all gluten-free and uh, reasonably healthy. Uh, I, 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 well, they are very healthy. I sort mine by calories because I'm interested in my caloric intake. And, uh, you know, the things that are in the range that I like to eat are really tasty. And every week, I get this one steak thing. It's steak and green beans and and uh, carrots and some some sort of uh, mashed potato thing. That's 480 calories, and it's really good. You just pop it in the microwave. Now, it's microwave food, okay? So it's for lazy people like me who want to eat decent. And uh, you can get $40 off by going to freshly.drsteve.com. You get six dinners for 39 bucks for two weeks. That's 20 bucks off each week. And uh, give it a try. Let me know what you think. If you don't like it, I get it. It's it, none of these things are for everybody, but uh, I am uh, I am lazy, and so three nights a week I don't have to cook anymore. And um, oh, I got a new one. Here's one, uh, and I know. Okay, I'm doing a show where I'm not taking any phone calls, and then I'm taking 20 minutes to do promos. I get it. I'm not Joe Rogan. I don't have the. Um, uh, the uh, cachet to be able to do a prolonged ad like that and get away with it. So I apologize. I've just got some new stuff. Uh, bet.drsteve.com. That's bet.drsteve.com. Takes you to Bet DSI. Um, you can uh, uh, bet on sporting events and stuff. And, you know, hell, I get on there every once in a while and play three card poker. They got a little, you know, online casino thing. It's, um, I had no problem funding it. 
Uh, so it's not like the old days of online gambling. And, uh, you know, check it out. Bet.drsteve.com gets you some damn thing. You get something. I don't know what it is. Uh, but uh, check it out. And uh, I, my kid is going to kick your ass when it comes to uh, uh, pro basketball season. That's why I'm doing this. I told him, look, uh, I'll fund your account. And uh, you tell me what to bet, and um, I'll split the winnings with you. This kid is uh, amazing. The shit that he knows about professional basketball. Never seen anybody ask him a question he didn't know the answer to. So I'm hoping that will uh, help us. So I'm just doing this as an experiment just to see. And really being a shitty parent. (laughs) And if you want archives to this godforsaken mess, go to premium.drsteve.com. Use offer code FLUID and get a... Um, get it for a buck a month and you get access to all the archives you could just go in and for a dollar go and download everything and um, uh, and then quit now um, the best way I think to listen to our show if you don't already have a good setup with Stitcher or something like that is to use the Weird Medicine app it's a lot easier if you've got a premium subscription to listen there you just go to the Google Play Store or to the um, uh, iPhone app store and download the weird medicine app and then you can just put in your username and password for your premium subscription and you can listen to anything any anytime all right very good uh, last time we talked about measles vaccine and Mogfest and phonic bloom don't forget the phonic bloom dot com or geckologic.com for all those crazy synthesizers my friend mario from uh, uh, ireland who is not from ireland hopefully he'll be able to stay there if the brexit thing i don't know what how that works i gotta talk to him about that but anyway all right check out his stuff out it's crazy it's insane what he's making um okay let's do our first story then where are we um okay Ooh, okay, a synthetic version of CBD treats seizures in rats. Now, people will say to me, Dr. Steve, is CBD oil, does it work? And it's like, well, for what? What do you, what do you want to accomplish? Uh, does it work to, uh, to uh, um, prevent or kill cancer? doesn't seem like it. Does it work to prevent refractory seizures in children with Dravet syndrome? Absolutely. Really, uh, almost the drug of choice at this point. So this is a synthetic, non-intoxicating analog of cannabidiol. is effective in treating seizures in rats, according to research by chemists. Oh, boy. Yeah, medical research done by Ph.D. chemists, as always. There's never a problem there. Uh, The synthetic CBD alternative is easier to purify than the plant extract. That's awesome. And eliminates the need to use agricultural land for hemp cultivation. Although, you know, hemp is okay it returns um, oxygen to the atmosphere and hemp itself is useful but if if our goal is to produce food yeah hemp doesn't produce a a lot that we can eat Uh, uh, and this could avoid legal complications with cannabis related products oh boo just legalize it already Um, so this synthetic cbd alternative is easier to purify oh i just said that okay um uh, the work was recently published in the journal uh, Scientific Reports. Uh, a much safer drug than CBD with no abuse potential and doesn't require cultivation of hemp. And don't forget, yes, the the hemp-derived CBD that you can buy at the just wherever these days has about 0.3% THC in it because 
hemp and marijuana plants are kind of like men and women. You know, men have a lot of testosterone, a little bit of estrogen. Women have a lot of estrogen, a little bit of testosterone. Hemp plants have a lot of CBD and very little THC, and the opposite is true of the marijuana plants. This will have none of the THC. Maybe that's not so good. I, I, I take a little CBD at night for my neuropathy and stuff. I think it helps. Um, it, it, do I have evidence? Just my own experience. And uh, But I wonder if the um, CBD part or the THC part is helping a little bit. I don't know. So anyway, uh, one important medical use of CBD is in the treatment of epilepsy. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has approved an extract of herbal CBD for treating some seizure conditions. There's also strong evidence from animal studies. So when you do this, even though it is CBD, you've got to prove that it works just like the real thing. That's how science works. So the researchers tested synthetic H2 CBD against herbal CBD in rats with induced seizures, and they were found to be equally effective for the reduction of both the frequency and severity of the seizures. Poor little rats with their dumb seizure. You know, their brain just wondering what and what's going on with me. So that's cool. All right, good. So, uh, yeah, we're on the road to being using more things that stimulate the um, uh, cannabis receptors in the brain. Isn't that interesting that we have receptors in the brain already designed to accept the cannabis molecule? Very interesting. So we, you know, plants are our remote ancestors. Or I mean, I, let me say it another way. We have a remote ancestor, a common ancestor with plants. And uh, we have common ancestor with all kinds of things. And it is uh, quite uh, amazing. There's a, a common ancestor with, um, you know, dinosaurs, too. It, it just goes way, 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 way back. So, all right. There's a new study that estimates preventable cancer burden is linked to a poor diet in the United States. It estimates the association between suboptimal consumption of seven types of foods and specific cancers. They found that poor diet is on par with alcohol, excessive body weight, and physical activity. Wow. So let's find out what these seven things are. We need to start start eating them. Uh, a new modeling study estimates the number, and proportion, and type of specific cancers associated with the under- or overconsumption of foods and sugar-sweetened beverages. Yeah, can we just stop with why does everything we drink have to have some flavor in it i mean do we have to be constantly entertained with music everywhere we go and does everything we drink have to have sugar in it you know and look the people out there that say well i don't i only drink cane sugar i don't drink that uh um uh high fructose corn syrup stuff you're not doing yourself any favors whatsoever Let's bust this myth once and for all. Table sugar, sucrose, a.k.a. cane-derived sugar or beet-derived sugar, is a disaccharide. So there's two sugar molecules linked together through a chemical bond. One of those is glucose. The other one is, yep, you're right, fructose. Oh, shit. <laughs> I had that pregnant pause and I didn't have it. There we go. <laughs> anyway. Okay, all right. That makes me feel better. Um, so is fructose. So by chemical composition, sucrose, 
or table sugar, a.k.a. cane sugar or beet-derived sugar, is 50% fructose. You know, uh, so high-fructose corn syrup should be a lot higher than that, right? Because it's high-fructose. Well, it's, it's only higher than 50%. So let's see how much. I bet we could ask Alexa this. Uh, let's ask her. Alexa, how much fructose is in high-fructose corn syrup? See if she can get it before I do. Here's something I found on WikiHow. To avoid high-fructose corn syrup, try to eat fresh, whole foods instead of canned or frozen foods, which often contain high-fructose corn syrup. Boo. Also, stick with plain foods whenever possible with the sweetened versions with toppings and sauces since high-fructose corn syrup. Alexa, stop. So she's just promulgating more malarkey. I used to fall into this idea that somehow high fructose corn syrup was more toxic than regular sugar. So uh, here we go. The most common forms are uh, high fructose corn syrup 42 and high fructose corn syrup 55, which contain (laughs) 42% fructose or 55% fructose. Okay. Table sugar, again, is 50% fructose. So some of the stuff that's sold as high fructose corn syrup actually has less fructose in it than table sugar is. Give yourself a bill. I'm giving that to myself. So stop it. Just stop it. It's sugar. Sugar is the problem. No, You have no argument with me on that. Of course, in moderation we got to have some glucose in our diet, and it's hard to not have fructose in your diet. So, um, you know, some is okay, but uh, drinking 20 sodas a day or what, you know, it's, it's insane. And high fructose corn syrup, no worse. And matter of fact, if you're worried about fructose, the H, um, high fructose corn syrup 42s, well, then that would be better for you, right? So, come on, stop it. All right. Now you're making me mad. Okay. Um, Okay, so let's get back to this. Um, The study published today in JNCI Cancer Spectrum estimates diet-related factors may account for 80,000 of the new invasive cancer cases reported in 2015, or 5.2% of that year's total among U.S. adults. That's how much, if 80,000 cases is only 5%, That's insane. Um, Let's see how many cases we actually have then. Uh, Alexa, what's 80,000 divided by 0.05? 80,000 divided by 0.05 is 1.6 million. Damn. 1.6 million cases, essay of uh, cancer every year in this country. Crazy, isn't it? This is comparable to the cancer burden associated with alcohol, which is 4 to 6%. Excessive body weight, meanwhile, is associated with 7 to 8% of the cancer burden. So just getting on noom.drsteve.com with me and getting that excess body weight off, you're going to reduce your risk of, uh, of getting uh, certain cancers. Physical inactivity is associated with 2 to 3%. So let's see what foods... Um, uh, the report notes there's convincing or probable evidence for low whole grain, low dairy... High processed meat, oops, and high red meat consumption on colorectal cancer risk. Low fruit and vegetable consumption on risk of cancer of the mouth, pharynx, and larynx. Now, I eat, you know, an apple in the morning and I eat a big salad at night or in the 
for lunch, and then I always eat a salad at night. So I'm getting my fruits and vegetables in. Um, I'm not eating a whole lot of red meat anymore. I, you know, I'm doing more chicken and fish and stuff like that just because I like it. Well, I do love a big old juicy hamburger every once in a while. Um, high processed meat consumption on stomach cancer risk. So when they're talking about processed meats, particularly cured meats and stuff like that, uh, sausage, things like that, I've, I've taken to buying uh, uncured ham, and um, I think... It, it may go bad faster, I guess, but um, I, I and I have no evidence that it's better for you at all. But um, I've been buying that, and uh, you know my kids like to eat a turkey sandwich or something, so I've just been getting the roasted stuff that's not got nit- nitrates and nitrosamines and stuff in it. The researchers also included sugar-sweetened beverages in the study due to known associations between obesity and 13 types of cancer. So. These were their main findings. Colorectal cancer had the highest proportion of diet-related cases, with almost 40% of them associated with suboptimal diets. Damn. Low whole grain intake was associated with the largest number and proportion of new cancer cases, followed by low dairy intake. I'm not a big fan of dairy, but cheese is good, and yogurt's awesome, so let's eat some yogurt every day. You know, the probiotic uh, activity in yogurt is, you know, if some of those bacteria survive to get to your gut, they're probably good for you. Here's the high-processed meat intake. So if you're eating cold cuts every day, that's what they're really talking about. Or sausage and gravy every day. You know, that's going to hit you on the obesity and the processed meat thing. Have it every once in a while. It's awesome. If Those of you who are not from the South who don't know what sausage and sausage gravy is on a biscuit, it's insanely great. Also, if you eat that every day... You'll die happy, but you'll die early. I'm quite sure. Knock on wood. Uh, Don't sue me for saying that. It's just my opinion. Um, Low vegetable and fruit intake and high red meat intake and high intake of sugar-sweetened beverages. So, uh, yeah. So you can cut out the sugar-sweetened beverages right now. And uh, go to Boobly or, um, you know, if you got to have flavor in everything, if you can't just switch to water, um, Cut out some of the high red meat intake. You know, have some chicken and some fish every once in a while. And increase your fruit and vegetable intake. That You know that's good for you. And um, uh, as far as the dairy is concerned, I'm not as excited about that, but eating a little yogurt. So those are things you could do right now to decrease your cancer risk. We all want to do that. It doesn't mean you have to eat. um, you, You don't have to switch to a vegan diet, although a vegan diet has got some things in favor of it. There's no question about that. Um, Let me see uh, if there's anything else here that's of any interest. Um, No, not really. All right. The researchers estimated the current intake for the seven dietary factors using data from two recent National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey cycles. Uh, They linked, okay, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So there you go. Just do better on that. I should probably add uh, increase your fruit and vegetable intake to my thing at the end, but it just doesn't have that ring to it, like check your stupid nuts for lumps does. Um, Okay, uh, here's one. Protein that hinders the advancement of protein cancer. uh, Protein cancer. I'm still fixated on the last question. Uh, Protein that hinders the advancement of prostate cancer identified. So uh, research at Boston University School of Medicine have discovered that blocking a specific protein may be a promising strategy to prevent the spread of castration-resistant prostate cancer uh, in the United States. 
uh, under uh, the researchers have discovered the inhibition of the protein BRD4, but not BRD2. Well, I was hoping BRD2 would. Uh, cons- <laughs> consistently regulated prostate cancer cell migration and invasion. So this is good. Prostate cancer, if you take um, 100 people over the age of 70 that die from pneumonia and you look at their prostate, about half of my prostate cancer never knew about it. But when it spreads, it can cause painful bone metastases and cause loss of life and loss of quality of life. Be great if we could figure out a way to not uh, allow this to spread. So this is very promising. These are the kinds of things when they find this at a test tube, that's a good 10, 15 years away, but it's a good, uh, a good advancement. We, you know, anything that advances uh, our ability to uh, stop cancer from killing people or destroying their quality of life is a good thing. Uh, okay, so about one, in, uh, here's another one, uh, growing up high neurobiological consequences of adolescent cannabis use. About uh, one in five Canadian adolescents uses cannabis. Now, look, I have a personal reason for wanting to know the answer to this, because uh, I was one of those aged 15 to 19 that was using cannabis back in the day. Now, it wasn't like the cannabis that's a- around now in you know, you'd smoke these giant blunts and barely have any effect. But, um, you know, I did it. So I was, uh, you know, I smoked hash when I was, what, in the ninth grade, I guess. And then I'm, you know, here, I got, I got kids. And one of them's going into the ninth grade. And I would shit myself if I thought that they were smoking hash at their age. So I just can't even believe I was doing that. But, uh, you know, um, um, Okay, so it's recent legalization across the country. This is in Canada. Warrants investigation of the consequences of this use on the developing brain. Number one, it's not legal for kids that age to be using it. Of course, they will get it, though. And it probably, is it easier now than it was before? I don't know. that's, That's something that bears some further research. Um, they say it's a highly vulnerable period for the development of the brain as it represents a critical period when we're in regulatory connection between higher order regions of the cortex and the emotional processing circuits deeper inside the brain are established. Basically, what they're saying is adolescents are emotional wrecks. It's a period of strong remodeling, making adolescents highly vulnerable, in their opinion, to drug-related developmental disturbances. Uh, I would like to see the evidence that that's true. I'm not saying it isn't. I would just like to see the evidence. Uh, they're making a statement there, but there's no reference to uh, cite what, where they're getting that from. So uh, they uh, analyze sex difference in cannabis response in the same samples of adolescents. Preliminary data indicates that cannabis use had a stronger effect on memory functions of male students than female students. Both sexes were, however, equally affected by cannabis on inhibitory control. This uh, results help identify at-risk youth groups and target them for early intervention and information. I'm not seeing a whole lot here. This is a big, long study. So, uh, Adolescent cannabis use is associated with behavioral changes related to reward and motivation in humans. Paradoxically, this use has been both suggested to increase motivation for other drug use and a potential amotivation syndrome in which individuals are less willing to expend effort to receive a reward. In other words, they don't know, you know, they don't know. Um, okay. Yeah, this this was just presented at a symposium. I don't even think it's been published. So 
it'll be interesting. I was hoping for more information because I really do feel dumber um, that I was a lot smarter. I look at things that I even drew when I was um, younger than the time when I was doing these things. And I feel that the, the dumber I got was not because of the the drug use but because i was distracted by other things because there's other things that go with that you start running with a different crowd and you're cool uh which i was not cool but you're cooler than you would have been i guess i don't know but i was running with a crowd and they were maybe a little more loose uh, in their morals and stuff like that which was awesome if you catch my drift so I had more opportunities to have more fun. So I think maybe that was it. But the, some of the things that I drew back then were like M.C. Escher looking stuff. And it's like, I did that. I'm not smart enough to do that. So, you know, maybe it did affect uh, my uh, in- native underlying intelligence. Uh, obviously, I can't make any conclusions based on this study. Um, uh, uh, I'm unimpressed by it. All right. Uh, here's another one on pot. Uh, legal marijuana reduces chronic pain. Awesome. But increases injuries and car accidents. So let's see. The legalization of recreational marijuana is associated with an increase in abuse injury due to overdoses and car accidents, but does not significantly change healthcare use overall, according to a study by researchers at University of California in San Francisco. <laughs> well, that's just... I'm sad that they found this. Let me see. In a review of 28 million hospital records from the two years before and after cannabis was legalized in Colorado, UCSF researchers found that Colorado hospital admissions for cannabis use abuse increased. What kind of admission do you have for cannabis abuse in comparison to other states? That's what I don't understand. I'd like to know what these diagnoses were because, look, sometimes people will come in and um, they have I don't know what what their syndrome is, and you'll you try to dump on every diagnosis you can for a couple of reasons. It helps with billing, but it's also just being more complete. And the, if they're just looking for di- for diagnosis codes for cannabis use on admitted people, of course you're going to have more in a co- in a state where it's more legal. They could have come in with a myocardial infarction, and you get the history that they've you know that they're a cannabis user, and you throw it in. Now that diagnosis is going to be on there. And if you had, you know, next to none before and now you've got some, then the percentage increase is going to be huge, right? So, you know, if you're dividing by near zero, that number is going to be large. So I would really like to know what possible um, hospital admission for cannabis abuse they had. And I'm betting you they're just looking at diagnosis codes with cannabis use as one of the diagnosis codes. Um, Let me see. There was no appreciable increase after recreational cannabis. Okay, it says taking the totality of all hospital admissions and time spent in hospitals into account, there was not an appreciable increase after recreational cannabis was legalized. Uh, They also found fewer diagnoses of chronic pain after legalization, consistent with a 2017 National Academy of Sciences report that concluded substantial evidence exists that cannabis can reduce chronic pain. Or it may not be reducing chronic pain. Maybe what it's doing is reducing people's use of opioids in chronic pain. You know, know, these journalists, I'm telling you, this stuff is kind of irritating. 
because you can see a lot of different ways that they could be wrong about this. But anyway, um, let me see. The researchers found after legalization, Colorado experienced a 10% increase in motor vehicle accidents as well as a 5% increase in alcohol abuse and overdoses that resulting in injury or death. Now, correlation is not um, causation. So the 5% increase in alcohol abuse and overdoses that resulted in injury or death, you know, I don't know what the increase in population of people was during that period in people that wanted to go to Colorado because they've got legalized drugs. Could that have been a factor? I'd like to see all these factors teased out. Um, But they saw a 5% decrease in hospital admissions for chronic pain. So there is some correlation between... Uh, that the, after legalization, the increase in motor vehicle accidents, I'd like to see a study on causation. So that's interesting, very interesting. Uh, most of the people I know that smoke pot don't get out and drive. So I'm very curious how this is happening. But, okay, if they do get out and drive, they're dumbasses, no question about it. All right, let's skip that one. Uh, Let's look at one more uh, pot study. Insights on marijuana and opioid use in people with cancer. A new study reveals many people with cancer use marijuana. No kidding, because it should be legal. And rates of use in the U.S. have increased over time. Published early online in Cancer, a peer-reviewed journal of the American Cancer Society, the study also found patients with cancer... Well, this is interesting. Uh, oh, the patients with cancer are more likely to use prescription opioids than adults without cancer. Well, yeah, it's called cancer pain. Um, I'm not sure that there's anything newsworthy in that. Let me see if there's anything. We're um, looking at rates of marijuana and opioid use in more than 19,000 survey respondents with and without cancer over 10 years. The researchers found significantly increased use of marijuana over time likely reflecting increased availability and awesomeness due to legislative changes. But they found stable rates of opioid use. Diagnosis of cancer did not significantly affect the odds of substance abuse over time from 2015 to 2014. Medical marijuana legalization has previously been associated with a reduction in hospitalization related to opioid dependence or abuse, suggesting that if patients are in fact substituting marijuana for opioids, this may introduce an opportunity for reducing opioid-related morbidity and mortality. Of course, it would be also important to identify risks and adverse effects of marijuana, of course. I mean, everything has uh, risk, benefits, and alternatives. So um, I am gone on record multiple times on this show being in favor of uh, legalizing marijuana. Give it to us just for certain diagnoses if you want to just see how it goes. Give it to us for cancer. You've got to have a cancer pain diagnosis and for hospice patients. And then let's go from there. I'm in favor of complete and utter legalization and taxation and tight controls, keeping it out of the hands of kids. And... Um, you know, some stiff penalties for effing up and making us all look bad if you uh, use it and uh, get in a car wreck or do something stupid like that. So um, please uh, consider this. At least give it to us for those people, and we'll see how it goes after that. Okay? All right. Fair enough. All right. Um, oh, you're here the music. And by the way, I'm working on new music because I've got some new stuff in my studio. So um, I don't want to throw this away because... The uh, drum machine, what was a uh, drum brute, uh, Arturia drum brute, 
golly, Drum Brute Impact, a delightful machine, by the way, very inexpensive beatbox if you want to get into it. Um, I just uh, sold mine on uh, Reverb, and uh, it was really lots of fun, but I don't need it anymore, and so I don't have any more um, uh, drum machines. Uh, because I've replaced them all with software. But <clears throat> if you're interested, I, I highly recommend the Arturia Drum Brute Impact as an inexpensive beatbox, particularly if you've never uh, played with drum machines before. The last story I'm going to do, natural compound found in broccoli, reawakens the function of a potent tumor suppressor. Um, long associated with decreased risk of cancer, broccoli and other cruciferous vegetables. And that's a family of plants that also includes cauliflower, cabbage, and collard, green, collard greens and Brussels sprouts, all the things kids hate. But um, I'm eating so, so much cauliflower these days, I'm going to turn into a big old cauliflower, mainly because um, I'm eating riced cauliflower instead of eating rice. And um, Chinese food and other foods that you normally put on rice and uh, Cajun food, stuff like that, over cauliflower rice, awesome. And you're not getting so many carbs and you're getting your cruciferous vegetables in. Um, uh, they, they contain a molecule that inactivates a gene known to play a role in a variety of human cancers. And in a new paper published today in Science, researchers led by Pier Paolo Pandolfi, oh, molto bene, amico, um, it demonstrates that uh, targeting the gene known as WWP1 with the ingredient found in broccoli suppressed tumor growth in cancer-prone lab animals. So again, uh, those damn lab animals get access to all the cool stuff first. And um, <laughs> But uh, this will come out. There's no downside to eating more broccoli and cauliflower if you're concerned about uh, getting your cancer uh, risk under control. It's all about mitigating risk. None of this stuff will guarantee anything, but you know, let's mitigate our risk. Don't smoke and uh, eat plenty of fruits and vegetables. Be active. You know, hit your ideal body weight, all those things. So um, thanks go to you all for listening to this. We can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teff, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Ron Bennington, Fizz Watley, uh, who's... Uh, Early support of this show has never gone on. Appreciate Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sundays at 5, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. And uh, many thanks to you all whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Well, that sort of ended with a whimper rather than a bang, didn't it?